Hello and welcome to Q&A Quest episode 242. I'm your host, Mike Apps, a.k.a. Wheels, and with me as always... Final Metal Chosen One, doing a granny family master. And hopefully Gaijin will be along with us in not too long. Yeah. Um, apologies if you're listening to this and 241 right after each other. It's a bit delayed getting 241 up. I feel like it's an ambitious claim to think that you're going to put 242 up very quickly. Uh, I probably am at this point. I'll probably just download them both and edit, <laughs> edit them back to back and get it done with. Have you not downloaded the first one? Which only keeps us for like two weeks. Yeah, I know. Uh, I they, they, keep them, they keep them longer if you have Prime. Oh, gross. Um, well, it's not technically my Prime account. So, Wheels, what you been playing? Uh, well, I played a lot of Monster Hunter today, but technically before that I've been playing a fair amount of Dragon Quest. Uh, Dragon Quest 11. That joke is for no one. <laughs> making some progress with that. I got another one of the colored orb thingies. Uh, in a nest of some giant birds. Hmm. And moving on from there. It's good stuff. Do you like giant birds? Uh, I'm trying to figure out how I want to... Um, set up my party. Uh, I've switched. And I'm not going to remember anyone's names because I'm terrible. Um, but Silvando's name I remember, and I'm changing him over to Whips because mm -hmm. I'm trying to get more characters with like AOE attacks. So I'm switching him to Whips and switching um, thief-looking guy to Boomerangs. And seeing how that works out. Eric? My brain is saying Eric. Yeah. But it's spelled with a K. <laughs> uh, of course, not. I don't remember. I don't know if the hero can use boomerangs with this, but that was one of the things I screwed up in Dragon Quest VIII was making the hero use boomerangs. Just because I, would... <sighs> I feel like I have a good. Yeah, swords, great swords, and. Uh... What a third weapon is than DQ11. Yeah, I'm using the great swords right now, but yeah, Dragon Quest Eight. I feel like I have a good excuse for screwing this up was because the game had such bad loading times. I wanted a character that could just attack everything and try and get through some of the. Replay it on 3DS where it doesn't really have loading. Yeah, times. I know that's what I need to do, but um, I was just trying to get through some of the easier battles quickly by just mm. boomeranging, boomeranging through everything, and it didn't quite work out very well uh, yeah for, for the record like you can't really go wrong with the hero in 11 like great sword or dual wielding single-handed swords are both extremely viable yeah i'm liking the dual wielding so far he's got some pretty nice combat skills and he's got that uh the guarding ability i forget what it's called that's pretty nice they even they even went to the trouble of there is a way to get a second copy of the best sword of the game. Oh my god. It's just you can do the dual wielding uh, without compromising one sword. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I do love that you have a big party in this and it's pretty easy to like, oh, someone's dead, swap in another person. 
Yeah. Really gives you a lot of versatility in combat. And doesn't make it mm. super hard, so. Uh, are you in Act 2? Uh, no. I don't believe so. Like, Act 1 Where has, like, a really spread? pivotal thing happen, and then... Uh, like, you end up having to, like, sort of... Uh, get everyone back together over a short period of time. That's no. kind of back too. No, I haven't. Okay. Uh, well, well, it was the part where we figured out who the main character's parents were. Something really pivotal happens at the end of <laughs> Act One. Okay, no, I don't think I'm there yet. Yeah. If you don't know, then the answer is probably okay. Um, uh, yeah, uh, just gonna say, I think the party got split up, split up briefly after you find out about that the main character is a prince, and then the yeah, guy that's chasing you catches up, yeah, and then things, so yeah, it's there's more to do around in act two, but yeah, um. But yeah, you generally, like, your characters have a lot of options open to them. Uh, and each of them fills a fairly uh, important role. Uh, I got everyone to level 99. I really enjoyed that game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, what else have I been playing? Uh, continuing on in Persona 5 Strikers. And um, did a few things in... Shimigami Tensei 5, but um, yeah, I just need to do some more grinding in that. I feel like uh, every everything is just murdering me. The mini quest I was trying to do complete to gain some experience to fight the main boss is destroying me. So, Good. but uh, what was I going to do? Oh, I had a plan for that was just to find find an uh, essence thingy to give make my character immune to ice and then that I'll be able to finish that quest easier so but yeah that's about it and I've been playing some East 8 too working towards finishing that up and then digging into East 9 some more I'm gonna be checking off a bunch of East games off my backlog this year hmm. kind of while playing whatever else so should be fun What about you? Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, I'm like, Mega Man Battle Network 5. That was a good return to form after 4. 4 is really, really bad. Um, you could almost skip 4 and miss absolutely nothing of the game's overarching plotline, which is relatively <laughs> light, but it does matter. Except that 5 villain is the same villain as 4. And, like, it kind of expects you to know who he is. That's about it. Or, or it really does not matter. <laughs> it seems like they made too many of those games. Kind of. Uh, they, they, like, I'm one away from being like, Battle Network 6 is the last one. Uh, if they had just skipped for or given it a longer gestation time for its entire like concept to work that might have been okay uh didn't 
wouldn't, and thus we have the game that we have today. Um, but yeah, five five is good. Uh, I played the Team Chronal version, as I've mentioned. Uh, I can't help but wish that they had done like the Pokemon Emerald thing, where you make a third version that has uh, both in them, because at the end, there like there is a point late in the game where Proto Man just shows up for one scene. Uh, he has not shown up at any point prior uh, in that game. Uh, he has not, in fact, been seen since Mega Man Battle Network 3, uh, huh. where he was quite important. Uh, because, like, Proto Man and his operator are very important throughout the first three games. He's not in the version of 4 I played at all. He's only in the version, the other version, at random. Uh, playing the other version is Russian Roulette, unless you were playing the original game on an actual GBA. Even if you play it on a DS, there is something subtly wrong with it that will cause one of the scenarios to run at, like, a frame every, like, minute. And then eventually, once it successfully resolves an entire, like, screen worth of frames it basically just uh hard locks oh lovely yeah like it does not work properly on anything but a gba <laughs> it's incredible don't even know how that happened I, I would love to know what the actual uh issue is there <laughs> but like the fact that it doesn't even work properly on ds is incredible to me um but yeah uh <laughs> so proto man has not been seen in essentially two games at that point, if you did not play Team Proto Man. He shows up, he does something very important to the, for the plot, and then Mega Man is like, why don't you join us? And his response is, eh, you look like you're doing fine without me, and then leaves. Huh. And he might as well have just said, should have bought my version if you wanted to see the motherfucker. <laughs> uh -huh. But yeah, his, his absence feels strange. Um... Uh, he feels like he should be a part of this plot. and uh, But it would also be weird to not have uh, Colonel and his operator Barrel as part of this plot. They're very important to both this and Mega Man Battle Network 6's plot, apparently. I'm just picturing uh, Man now as um, the critic saying, buy my game! Buy my game! I know! <laughs> <laughs> buy my book! But, yeah. It's... Uh, it's weird, uh, but yeah, I think I talked about that last week, so I won't get too much into it. But yeah, Battle Network 5 is good. I had a good time with it. Um, it's got the most refined version of the character customization system. It restores some of the things that Battle Network 4 cut that were interesting. Uh, it's got a more like cohesive plot. The strategy RPG sub-segments are interesting. They're brutally punishing. Like, they have, like, a... Uh, I should say, if you want to get the bonuses from them, they're brutally punishing, because they have, like, a mechanic where it gives you, like, a par set of turns that you don't want to go over because you don't get the uh, enemy's battle chip if you do. And those are designed to be replayed over and over. You can separately go back and redo them. Uh, but they are... The, the turn limits are strict. You actually have to make very good use of your resources to actually come in under par. Jeez. Uh, but, yeah. Um, but, yeah. 
enjoyed it. Good times. Uh, generally still very charming, very dumb, uh, and still a very well put together game. The level of battle uh, of, uh, I think I talked about this last week. I'm not sure, but the n amount of Boktai advertisement in this game has officially become weird. Uh, how to describe this? So, Boktai, you know, you know about Boktai, right? Yeah, the Sun game. Boktai, the Sun is in your hand. Uh, the yeah, it, it was a Konami franchise around the same time. Action, stealth action RPG, uh, executive produced by Hideo Kojima. That's the only reason they ever would have bothered with something that required them to put a solar sensor inside every cartridge. That would have increased the uh, cost of manufacture. Like it wouldn't have been astronomical. Solar sensors would not be the most difficult thing to make, but at the same time, adding that to manufacture makes them more yeah. expensive and makes it's a manufacture more complicated. unique cartridge. Yeah, nothing else ever used this kind of cartridge except three Boktai games on TV. Uh, but yeah, uh, the uh, so yeah, they they were working on those. I get the sense that those were never as popular as Konami wanted. Uh, like I think they wanted them to be like a big sort of uh, kids anime franchise for the like ten to thirteen demographic. And I don't think they ever really hit the mark. Um, but Battle Network was very successful in that demographic. It was, I believe, Battle Network 4, tragically, is still the second best, it's like the third best-selling Mega Man game wow. by Capcom's own uh, internal metrics. Uh, one of the nice things about Capcom is that their investor site lists all of their games that have sold more than a million copies. It is very wow. easy to tell what games have sold what. There are only three Mega Man games on that list. Uh, Mega Man 2 has sold the most. It's like 2 million copies. Uh, wow, that's Mega Man cool. 11 that's is number sad. two. Uh, yeah, like there, there's a reason that like these are not a high priority. It's a shame, but like well, an individual Mega Man title honestly doesn't make a lot of sense to budget that much money behind because they, they just don't. So, well, I'm glad Mega Man 11 is on that list, though. That makes me happy. Yeah, it, it's a million seller. It's, uh, yeah, and it's I I don't I don't think they're done selling Mega Man 11 because that's one of the other things is that like a lot of these games sort of uh, pick up steam year over year in a way a lot of companies' titles don't. Uh, so like to to look at it another way, a few years ago when it first came out, like after its first year, Resident Evil 7 had sold like three million copies. It is now their second best-selling game ever at 10 million. Uh, just year over year, it just kept selling. Like what that's is, just how. What it is Monster Hunter World at? 17 million. Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's absurd. Rise has Rise has in its like six months, seven, nine months on the market. It's at like seven and a half million, something like that, just on the Switch version. Yeah, it's really impressive for a single system. Yeah, like that's gonna that that num like the addition of PC numbers will be interesting to see what that does because we'll get an idea of like how many people are actually buying Monster Hunter on PC. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so that that was a but yeah, Mega Man Eleven uh like one point three one point five million something like that, and Mega Man Battle Network Four at like one point two million. 
Like those are the only three Mega Man games on that list, as far as I recall. Maybe one of the Legacy Collections is on there, but I was only counting like the individual. Yeah. Legacy Collections are a little different. Uh, but yeah, uh, like Battle Network was very successful. Boktai. Uh, after Battle Network Four, Boktai cross promotion enters all of these games. Literally all of them have. And it becomes more overt over time. Because in Boktai, in Battle Network 4, there's like a couple Boktai chips. I've talked about them. They're very strong. In Battle Network 4, uh, 5, there are more Boktai chips. They're even stronger. Uh, the strongest one summons the protagonist of Boktai. He does uh, 150 damage to 8 squares, which is the exact amount that an enemy can have in a normal battle. Uh... And so if you hit something in the center, it will just hit everything on the enemy's side. And if it doesn't kill the enemy that it hit as like the primary target, that enemy will have a persistent health drain until they die. Oh. Uh, it ignores shields. Uh, there's basically, as long as the enemy is considered to be on that panel, there is no way for it to miss. It uh, hits instantly. It's ridiculous. Hello? Hello. Hello. Hey, Gaijin. Mm -hmm. We're just doing our what we've been playing. I was going on a tear about Boktai. Um, yeah. Bokurano Tayo. Yeah, yeah Bokurano Uh But basically, the Boktai advertising in Battle Network 5 got more blatant. Because aside <laughs> from having some of the best uh, battleships in the game, they also added... So there is, like, uh, there are BBSs within the game where characters, where you'll see, like, NPCs sort of talking about things. And the absolute strangest conversation you can find in this game, as far as I'm concerned, is there is a, uh, an, an undernet BBS where all the evil characters congregate and are talking amongst themselves. And uh, there is a thread in that labeled Confession where one of the characters is like, yes, I am, where like this evil character is like, yes, I am extremely evil. I am the evilest man imaginable. But even I can't stop thinking about how cool Fox Eye Stolar Boy Django is. Oh my god. Hey, hey. It's incredible. And it would be uh, insulting if it weren't for the fact that the game's horrible copy editing means that they misspelled the name. <laughs> <laughs> They misspelled the word solar, so it keeps saying Solor Boy Django over and over. Don't you love it when they do that? It's absolutely beautiful. Uh, this entire idea would reach its zenith with Battle Network 6, which has an entire sub like subquest that you can play in the Japanese version. Where you have where you have an explicit crossover between Battle Network and Boktai Three, this subquest was entirely cut from the English version because Boktai Three did not come out in English. Uh, like after Solar Boy Django evidently performed very poorly, they just gave up. Uh, they the hilarious thing is the West got Boktai's one, two, and four. But Boktai 4, Boktai 1 and 2 had done so poorly that Konami tried to pretend Boktai 4 wasn't a Boktai game. Because they localized its name as Lunar Knights and they renamed everyone <laughs> to just try to hide the fact that it was a Boktai game. 
but it still had the that, solar sensor? Not... Okay, so the way that it worked, at least in the Japanese version, I don't think this compatibility exists in the English version. But in the... Je so, like, it was on a DS card. They weren't going to try to okay. slam a, uh, a solar sensor on a DS card. What they did was they made it so that if you inserted Boktai 1, 2, or 3 into the GBA slot, it could use their solar sensor. Uh... But that's about it. But yeah, so I finished Battle Network 5, uh, and I moved on to Mega Man Zex. Yes, I believe that is how that's meant to be pronounced. Uh, it is how it's pronounced in Katakana. Yes. Yeah. And Mainly I because believe... ZX is not actually pronounceable in Japanese properly. Yeah, it would sound extremely strange. But uh, I think it's also... Actually. Yeah, GX. But uh, there is like a... There... I believe it's also meant to be a play on like the German word for six, because it would be the sixth... Uh, Mega Man sub series, uh, but yeah, it's Mega Man's X. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the kind of thing you would see in Japanese media. Uh, but yeah, Mega Man's X. Uh, starting on that, um, I'm most of the way through it. I've gotten, I've done the four, four uh, eight robot fights, so most of the way through that. Uh, quite enjoying it so far. Uh, Oh yeah, uh, it very much amuses me that the person who is originally wearing the like, it's like the gimmick of Zex was that you, uh, your character is a normal human that is wearing like, uh, fucking Sentai armor made out of Mega Man's. Huh. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, Capcom was on a real kick on this idea that I think they they thought that the best way to sell, uh. Mega Man on the DS was like going to involve like this sort of sentization because like they did the same thing with Star Fox. It's like battle. It's a battle network continuation, but it's like, oh, this kid has to like sort of uh, merge with alien technology to turn into Mega Man in like the real world. But uh, yeah, uh, so Zex, I I've been enjoying, but I wanted to bring up especially how good of a collection the Mega Man Zero and Zex Legacy collection is. Uh, just in terms of being thorough. Because it's really interesting to me. So, uh, this is something I hadn't even noticed when I was playing it, but... In Japan, Mega Man Zero 3 had e-reader cards. Oh yeah, it did, didn't it? Yeah, those were... <laughs> There were some. There was an attempt to export the e-reader. There are some e-reader cards in the U.S. There are not nearly as many as there are in Japan. Like that was a fairly successful peripheral in Japan. Tank in America was dead within like a year. But mm -hmm. so that means like the English version of Zero Three never had any support. Uh, but the Zero and Zex Legacy Collection absolutely does. Like it has all of them in the game. Like you can turn them on and off. You can do whatever you need to. Uh, and that also extends to uh, Zex had bonuses that would apply if you played it with 0.3 or 0.4 in the GBA slot. And so in the menu for the Legacy Collection, you can actually set if one of those is in, supposed to be treated as being in the GBA slot or if neither of them is when you start Mega Man Zex. Uh, so there's like, it really is good at making sure that there's no reason that you should ever need to play the Game Boy Advance, track down the Game Boy Advance cartridge, or the DS card. 
which, you know, they, like they a, did lot that of... a lot of... They did that a lot for the games that had um, the GBA and DS intercompatibility, I remember. Yeah, like, like uh, a lot of games would have those. All the Super Robot Rocket Wars Slime. games. Rocket Slime had that. it. <laughs> yeah. Rocket Slime had it. Uh... They just gave you the free thing then, and um, I know Final Fantasy Tactics Advance 2 had it. For what it was yeah. Worse, uh, Cast Castlevania Dawn of Sorrow has it as well. Like this is a, this is a very common thing, but a lot of time, like when it, it, it would not have surprised me. I never imagined that they would actually bother emulating that function, and so I was pleasantly surprised to see that they they had gone above and beyond. There is no reason that you should. There's nothing that you are missing out on. There is no reason to ever crack down just because the there there's nothing missing from this collection. Uh, yeah, just just wanted to call that out as being uh, impressive to me. Uh, what else was I gonna say about the steps? Oh yeah, uh, it does a, it does as good of a job as you possibly can trying to make the dual screen setup work. There are like eight different configurations for how to arrange the two screens next to each other. Mm. There are uh, multiple different ways that they've mapped the uh, touch screen interaction like it really does show like if you if you want to port a DS game to something else there it really is like this is the study of how you go about it like you just look at what they did because they, they really went all out and trying to find there's bound to be some configuration that works for you as an individual Uh, yeah. Uh, also, uh, looking at the like uh, program uh, name at the top, forced me to realize that apparently in Japan this was known as the uh, Rockman Zero uh, and ZX like double zero pack, <laughs> huh. which is a beautiful name. Yeah, double hero collection. <laughs> but yeah, uh, really enjoying Zex so far. Um, I do think that uh, to some extent, uh, I, I remember when people talked about it, the general comparison was to Metroid. And I get why, but yeah, I also think... A... It, it does have that interconnected feeling to it that so did the original Zero. Yeah, it's it's expanding on what's in that original Zero concept. But the the other thing I was going to say was I think that saying Metroid gives like a bad comparison because it makes yeah. you think that when yeah. you take a when you get new powers they're going to open up new areas and they they do to an extent but not really. I would much more compare it to something like Wonder Boy in Monster Land. Yeah, it's not. It doesn't quite fit the definition of a Metroidvania, but it still has a similar feel to it. Yeah, like that's why I would pull out something like Wonder Boy and Monster Land, which does, has like character advancement and towns and uh, like an interconnected world, all of which is how uh, Zex works. But the original Wonder Boy and Monster Land, as I recall, does not have any like gaining abilities. You. Uh, 
you gain like keys and such sometimes, but like the world is open by exploration. Uh, it's it's not something about gaining new abilities to get to move forward. And I think that's a much more apt comparison. But the problem is that no one but like a hardcore fan base cares about. <laughs> Uh, and the most beloved one is more traditionally a Metroid style game, which is to say, uh, Wonder Boy the uh, Dragon's Trap. Yeah, uh, yeah, Vex is good. Um, recommended. Uh, other than that, uh, I am just about ready to polish off Metroid Dread. Uh, that's really, 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 really good. Uh, probably my favorite Metroid game now. Good. We'll see how I feel. But, yeah, probably. Uh, I generally, uh, like, it fixes one of the key things that I don't like about older Metroids, which is that I think that, uh, through, like, most of the 2D Metroids have kind of, like, garbage combat encounters. Yep. And uh, this one has good ones that are well-constructed. Uh, I could maybe nitpick and say I could have done slightly fewer fights with the fucking Chozo Warriors, but, I mean, there's only, like, five of them in the game. I just wish there were maybe four. I, yeah, um, I kind of like those, though. But they're not bad funny. fights. I just, like, once you've seen enough of them. like yeah. one, I feel like I, I shouldn't have seen more of them after getting into the encounter where you have to fight more than one. Yeah. Because, like, that feels like the uh, crescendo of that concept. It's like, okay, we have hit the top, and there's not really a place for us to go. We need to go from somewhere else. <laughs> but, yeah. That's that's kind of a nitpick. Uh, but, yeah, I've been... been a big fan. Uh, and uh, a friend's very late... Uh, a friend's Christmas present may just arrive. They have imported me a... Uh, cartridge copy of I, the Somnium Files for Swift. Oh, I guess I have to play that now. <laughs> Alright, nice. People seem to like that, so... But yeah, that was one of those things where it's like, I'd like a cartridge copy of that, but the American copies are extremely, extremely expensive. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh, apparently, European ones, not so much, because they nice. sent me one for so... Hooray! The invincible rainbow arrow. I'm not asking. <laughs> you will find out if you play that game. I expect, but that's also part of why I'm not. I will let it wash over me as it. Okay, we've gone through what me and Wheels have played. What have you been playing, Vajin? Oh, the same thing we play every evening, Pinky. Ben Mikami Tensei 5. Yeah, I'm up to level 75 at this point. Nice. Dang. Well, I mean, part of that is um, finding like two or three of those dark gray Mitama that drop gospels, and then also getting a gospel mm. from a side quest, and then getting two more gospels from the Mitama got um, rewards for finding the little red guys. So, um, yeah, I've got a. I leveled up a lot really fast. Actually, I still have one gospel remaining, but I'm waiting until I level up normally again. So that you get the most bang for your buck out of it? Pretty much, yeah. 
the gospel according to this weird demon that won't stop winking at me. <laughs> Sounds like you're still chugging along and still having a good time. <laughs> yep. Just the, uh, yeah, Taito Ward, um, well, Wheels, you know how big Minato Ward is, the first yeah. area? Yeah. Taito Ward's about six times larger. Holy crap. And it's not, it's not like a little corridor, like you follow along the obvious path to get towards the end. No, this is full open area, six times larger. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it also has three different lot coupon bosses to take out. Take uh, them in the order you want. <laughs> take them in the order that you can find them and beat them. Um, and <laughs> at least, I think, five different abscesses. Oh, I'm taking boy. out three of those. And sense. also um, side quests to two other major optional bosses that are about on the same level as those three plot coupon bosses. I've taken those two out as well. Hmm. So. Yep. And now to see if I can recruit a new fallen angel here. Uh, it's nice to see. And Tam, oh, what have you played? That was quick. Yeah, okay. I have been playing uh, Final Fantasy XIV. Oh, that's I out now? Well, Endwalker. <laughs> it's a joke, it's a joke, no worries. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm also wondering, I'm also, or, or, you're only on your channel right now, by the way, Wheels. Yeah, well, the, the other channel was occupied. Ah. It's not now. Yeah, okay. Well, I, at this point, I'm not going to bother. Okay. Can, can you want to just host, host, host Yeah, can you host me on the other channel? Yeah. And then, yeah. um, I've also made some more progress into, uh, Mary Stelter. Finale. Nice. Or not finale, oh, but the nightmares. <laughs> oh, the first one? Yes. Oh, cool. Because they announced the second one is going to be released, releasing on uh, Steam here oh, yeah, soon. Yeah, that's right. So. That's right. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, for good things about those games, I need to. I don't know. Next time I have a dungeon crawler itch, I guess. You're a dungeon crawler. Your face is a dungeon crawler. So we're borrowing insults. Uh, we're borrowing insults from Noodle now. <laughs> you feel like noodle. that one rests ambient in the internet. Yeah. Did I host that right? I'll check. Uh, I didn't get a notification. Oh no, I didn't. Definitely. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you just got another Mimon. Okay. It's number yeah. 173. Gotta catch them all, Mimon. 
Well, I hope never to hear that ever again. Um, But yeah, I think that leans out of things we've been playing. Uh, Is there going to be news this week? Uh, I don't think so. Alright, I'm gonna run to the bathroom. You guys keep going on. I'll be right back. Let's see how Dengeki's doing. I always help her Dengeki to have something. Yep. What in the world is that? Oh, this is an old Super Famicom guy. What? It's an old Super Famicom action game with a shrine maiden and a tanuki fighting monsters. Oh, Rocky and Rocky. Oh, yeah. Kiki Kai Kai. Yep, it's uh, available for Switch soon. Yeah, they're doing like a remaster. I think the English version's being called Rocky and Rocky. The host is going. Okay, cool. But yeah, so yeah, it's uh, coming out on Switch and PS4 next April. Oh, that has a release date now. That's good. What else here? Uh, That looks like an indie from America. Um, Yeah, it's been getting much harder to find or figure out which ones are originally American or Japanese games and which ones are not on this site anymore. <laughs> which ones of these is just an indie game by this time? Yep. Uh, they, um, indie games are getting a lot of reporting in Japan now. Yeah, I mean, no reason not to. Let's see, Alpecia, Maken, Shoujo, what's this? I was curious the last Pocky and Rocky game came out approximately 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, Maybe closer to 15, depending upon what you're willing. Oh, this one's a Kimco. Okay. And Execrate. So, I mean, I mean, it looks decent for a Super Famicom title. Yeah. I mean, Kimco is the kind of company that has been putting out very, this is decent RPGs for quite a while now. I've, I have reviewed a few of those, including one for cell phones that never got anywhere else. Hmm. So. How'd that go? I mean, I assume it was fine. <laughs> yeah, it went with this weird variation of the original Star Ocean battle system, which worked really well because it meant that you didn't actually have to do much controlling on the, on the cell phone pad. That's a wise choice. <laughs> yep. A review for Cadence of Hyrule. That's a couple of years late. Oh, that's a good game. Yeah. I need to get that one sometime. Okay. Yeah. And they're doing a Switch port of Gengai Toki 7 Pirates. Oh, no. I don't think I know that one off the top of my head. Do you know Moedo Chronicle, etc.? Yeah. One of those. Gengai Toki uh. is the Moedo. Moero series. Ah. Uh, yep. That's okay. Well, then I'm no longer interested. 
I see. I do have. I, I I do have uh, Moero Chronicle on Steam, largely because Mac was giving out the review code to anyone who would just take it years ago, and I never actually got through it. I'd need to review it in his memory at some point. And just... That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Just like if I ever find that one last PSP game he wanted me to check for, I will actually get it, even though it costs like Operation Bitter Chocolate. Yep. Yeah. If ever I find rare, that, I think on both sides of the pond. Yeah, it's it's only mildly cheaper on re on second hand over here. Uh, what game? Yeah. Uh, tactic too. Yeah, Operation Bitter Chocolate. Those for mm -hmm. um, if if I could actually find it in the store, it's only I only found the listing, but it's listed for ten thousand yen. Jesus. Which is not the not the most expensive game I have seen listed at these stores, but it's up there. It's definitely. I mean, hundred like... bucks is a lot to spend on a game. Yeah. Oh, but as I said, I have seen higher. Actually, I think uh, <laughs> Metabots Two for Game Boy Advance goes for more than that. <laughs> Gotta get the Metabots fandom. Yep. I mean, Harvest Moon for the SNES goes for more than that, but. Mm -hmm. You just yeah, don't expect it. that out of a PSP tactics game. Yeah. So. Mm. First one goes for like wanna, forty or fifty bucks. So. I do want to bring up, uh, speaking of archetype, something that I found out this week that was extremely funny to me, which is mm -hmm. so there was a there was a crowdfunded archetype final two made by former Iron people last year. Mm -hmm. Came out, did okay. Uh, you know about what you'd expect from a like side scrolling shooter in twenty twenty two one, but. Apparently, they, they, they've been continuing to support it, patch it, update it. Uh, mm -hmm. But the thing that's very funny to me is that they have announced that they are doing a big free up, free content patch to it, which will rechristen it R-Type Final Throne. Ooh. <laughs> which means that R-Type Final 2 is being patched into being its own sequel. Which is kind cool. of incredible. Uh, yeah, just thought that was funny. Hope you guys haven't minded the. Uh, I asked Wheels, but uh, ask you all too that uh, about all the uh, videos on fighting stuff. I, I that apparently is crossing my streams. Mm -hmm. It's all good, but uh, it reminds me I need to actually check. Check if there were any questions among prior episodes that have gone up. Wheels did not put up last episode yet. I think Strawberry left one. Uh, Fire yeah, Miner, it looks like I, it. The Fire Miner put a few up on the Discord. Okay, yeah. we'll hit the ones on the on the comments and then the Discord. And this one seems aimed. Um, Mentioned the Boktai games and last episode reminded me of Lunar Nights. As, oh, yep, yep. I actually went over this without realizing it. Early DS action RPG called Lunar Nights, actually part of the Boktai series, and originally called Bokurano Taiyo, Django, and Sabata in Japan. Changed to Lunar Nights outside of Japan to associate it with Boktai, which apparently did not sell too well. 
you know, of any other video games, RPGs or otherwise, had such a drastic name change to dissociate it with the prior gaming series. The thing that immediately comes to mind is early PS2 RPG for Kingdom, which in Japan was Evergrace 2, and anyone who had played Evergrace understands fully why they chose to try to fight the fact that it was Evergrace 2. Because <laughs> Evergrace is absolute trash. I have never played Forever Kingdom, but, I mean, maybe. <laughs> Hard to say. But yeah, that's the, that's the one that would immediately come to mind to me. Someone, someone somewhere in the localization process realized that the weight of the IP was negative. It was not, it was going to, it was going to cause people to refuse to buy it rather than entice fans of the original whatever once existed. Can't think of many others that completely changed the name for that reason. Yeah. And like, the, the first three Saga games were all renamed Final Fantasy and so was Seiken Densetsu just for marketing purposes. Yeah. Uh, oh, makes sense. Um, uh, what else? Oh, and, and of course, Metal Max Xeno Two has is now compiled. Metal Max Wild well. West. Yeah. So not I a just complete thought, name change there. Yeah, I just thought of kind of the reverse of this actually. Uh, so, uh, you might remember about late in the PS2 era, uh, Capcom had its own. Uh, Musou-style game, Sengoku Posada, mm -hmm. uh, which uh, in America, someone someone at Capcom America seemingly assumed this was unsellable in the U.S., it's too Japanese. So they turned everyone into a fictional demon and called the resultant mutant Devil Kings. Mm -hmm. And that tanked. No one bought that. Um, but... Eventually, they just, uh, they re-released, they released some of the later Sengoku Basara games in English. They just did not, they just refused to acknowledge anything about their mistake with, uh, Devil Kings. They just pretended like they had just never released the first Sengoku Basara. They just called them Sengoku Basara Samurai Heroes in the U.S. I, I actually <laughs> own Devil Kings. Yeah. It was a, like, I, I'm given to understand Sengoku Basara was a fairly popular action game in Japan. I mean, it's, it's a, it's, it's a, it's basically a Capcom Musou. Yeah. Is it as good yeah. as regular Musos? No. But it's, it's not a bad one. I've heard very different things depending upon people's tastes about what, uh, whether they prefer it or not, but it's at the very least, like, it was not a bad Muso. No, I mean, it, it really comes down to, do you like Musos? Yes or no? If you don't like yes. Musos, you're probably not going to like Devil King. But if you like Musos, it's not bad. Yeah. I mean, kind of yeah. same, same with 99 Nights. If you like Musos... It's not bad. It's not the best out there for by any stretch of the imagination. But if you don't like that style of gameplay, you're not going to like 99 Nights either. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we but, had this conversation two Q&A quests ago that I was on. Maybe. 
I think I think Musos were discussed. Um, I don't. I think Devil Kings came up, came up, but not in this context. Uh, no, someone uh, brought up Ninety Nine Nights, and I was like, wait. Oh yeah, Ninety Nine Nights did get brought up. Yes. Uh, but yeah, like Sengoku Sara was a fairly successful Japan uh, franchise in Japan for about ten years. It seems to have kind of petered out at this point, but. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, just happens. Like that's just the life cycle of media franchises a lot of the time. But yeah, they kind of miss any real chance to try to make anything of it in the US by trying desperately to make it more appealing to Americans and kind of failing to find anyone who was like the kind of person that was going to buy that would have preferred the like uh, anime-ish take on a historic setting as opposed to trying to create an entirely different scene. Um, yeah. Um, I'm also going to say something about that. Uh, trying to think. Uh, oh, you weren't here when this question was asked, Wheels. Uh, Strawberry Eggs asked, uh, do you know of any other video ga games, RPGs, or otherwise that essentially were like drastically uh, renamed in order to try to hide their connection to a prior entry in their own series. Huh. Um, there was a Sheeran game that removed the mystery dungeon from the title. <laughs> uh, that's not drastic, but it is it is sneaky. Yeah, I don't think it worked out at all. And the, there was there was the renaming that the Yakuza series got early on. Renaming it to Yakuza. Yeah, actually. <laughs> yeah, but that was more. I think they just assumed that the name Like a Dragon wouldn't sell, which was kind of a failure on their part. Yeah. Uh, you definitely saw this happen more um, often back. In interestingly enough, I was actually going through the uh trails of you know where to start and apparently the first two dragon slayer games were you know legend of heroes so that series has gone through three name changes yeah but that's so just like gone through three series <laughs> yeah like the, the way i would describe it is that like dragon slayer for early falcom is almost like old marvel tryout comics where it's just like well this is a franchise unto itself now so it doesn't need to be this anymore that stopped being Dragon Slayer and just became Legend of Heroes. It's sort of, I mean, it's about as much of a connection as some of the Mega Ten series have to each other. Yeah, there's some. There are like Dragon Slayer Two is, I believe, the first Xanadu game. Yeah, yeah. And then you also uh, have the Gaga trilogy in there, which are also something completely different. Yeah, and then uh, there are a bunch of Dragon Slayer also spun out. Uh, Sorcerian and Romancia, and there's a bunch of those as well. So, yeah, it's just one of those things. That was just kind of how those work. Huh? I can attest that Sorcerian is a very different game experience. Yeah. And there's also like 9 million Sorcerians. But, yeah. Uh, Dragon Slayer was just kind of one of those weird things where they would just sort of be like, well, there's this kind of like broad dragon slayer banner that we can throw onto just about anything it's like a pseudo a sort of generic fantasy title uh, it's, 
there's more dragon there's more Xanadus than I realized when I start seeing like revival Xanadu. But Xanadu next. Tokyo Xanadu. Tokyo oh, Xanadu yeah, the, 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 the Xanadu has a whole I mean, let's face it, fact Xanadu. Oh yeah, yes. Fuzzanadu. Is that because it's Famicom Xanadu. Uh, that name made a lot more sense in Japanese. Yeah. I uh, probably could have. I had no issue calling it Fax Xanadu, you know, growing up as a kid. Yeah. I don't think yeah. anyone actually called it by the right pronunciation. What's that? I don't think anyone called it Fazanadu. Yeah, it doesn't help that, like, the only way they could have clarified that pronunciation is by, like, putting, like, a dash between the F.A. and Xanadu, but they didn't. I honestly like calling it Fax Xanadu. <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't. It doesn't feel right in my mouth, so I never do that. Let's see. Oh yeah, and Legacy of the Wizard is also a Dragon Slayer game. Yep. Yep. Also. And that game. Fuck that game. Man, <laughs> it's Dragon Slayer family. That's why the. It's Dragon the last Slayer name garbage. of all the characters is Drosslay. Yes, of course. Never forget Brandish. That's not a Dragon Slayer game, though. I don't care. How do you feel about Brandish, Brandish the Planet Buster? Uh, what the f... What is that? <laughs> That's Brandish 2. Uh, I've only played Brandish 1. Did you play the original or Dark Revenant? Uh, both. Okay, you're better off with Dark Revenant. Yeah, but... no, absolutely. <laughs> but, yeah, there's... Brandish 2's subtitle is Brandish 2 the Planet Buster. <laughs> I think it's the name of like a weapon or something. Uh, let's see, who's the third one? And then there's like a weird isometric one that no one likes. Yeah, Brandish VT4. The fuck. Uh, yeah, and <laughs> they released it as Brandish VT, and then. It did poorly, so they re-released it. Renewed it, brandished for the Tower of Sleeping God. Which is okay, great. love it. Uh, that's that actually kind of fits the question. Like this is kind of the opposite of that, where something like they were treating something as a spinoff, but like it did so fucking poorly that they were like, "Well, what if we pretend that it's a main game?" Uh. Yeah, usually when you see companies, like, rename something, it usually indicates that they are, like, when I see this kind of thing happen, it's like, this is so different that we don't know what it would do to our existing brand if we kept it uh, named, if we named it such that it seemed like a sequel, like how Devil May Cry was originally Resident Evil 4, until it became too different from Resident Evil to be called a Resident Evil game. Uh, I can't think of any others uh, that stayed within the series after having their name changed. I mean, okay, so technically Secret of Mana doesn't have the same name as Final Fantasy Legend. It's true. And and it redefined the series enough that every other game has either been named of mana or has been 
subsequently renamed of mana in a remake. Yeah. So that's why we got Sword of Mana and Adventures of Mana. <laughs> and Trials of Mana. Yep. And Dawn of Mana, but let's not talk about that. Children Legend of Mana. mana. What's that? Children of Mana. Heroes of Mana. Yeah. <laughs> why are we naming games we rather forget? <laughs> nah, I mean, all those because are okay, except for Dawn. Also, I mean, 50% speaking... 50% of mana games are bad. I mean, that's that's a generous the estimate. Very good or so uh, good. Hey, I like Secret of Mana. I like Trials of Mana. I like the first one. Legend of Mana is not bad. But Children's of Mana, not great. It's okay. Adventures of Mana, not great. Heroes of Mana, bad. <laughs> I like how you reacted to that and not Dawn of Mana. I have never played Dawn of Mana. I just know that I had a friend give me the title, The Mighty Tam, because he didn't believe me that I heard bad things about it and then bought it. And then he's like, I shouldn't have doubted The Mighty Tam. <laughs> uh, that's, that's a lot. God, that game's trash. Oh. <laughs> I actually didn't buy it, so I don't have any say in whether it's bad or not. I just know that a lot of people... Oh, I didn't buy it, but I've... I've... Found ways to play it in the interim just to see it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but was I gonna say something about it? It's uh, a game I was suddenly thinking of. Oh yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> the opposite of this again. Try to tie something into something that's not related. Secret of Evermore. Yep. Yes. But that's a good game. It is. Not a bad game, but at the same time, it's very much not a Secret of Monica sequel. No, which is definitely what the choice game. of name was meant to imply. Yeah. It does at least play similarly to Secret of Mana. Yeah. <laughs> and also. The, the tell is yeah. always that it was originally just called Apple. I was going to say, wasn't there a song Battle for Evermore? Maybe? Yeah, I'm thinking... Uh, oh, brain. I've, this came up. Um, yes, uh, Led Zeppelin. Of, yeah, Led Zeppelin, Battle of Evermore. Is that on uh, Led Zeppelin 4? I think so. Yeah, so um, I wouldn't... Considering everything else that gets referenced in that game, I would not put it past somebody in the dev team being a really big Led Zeppelin fan. No, I believe that, yeah. Zeppelin video games. Uh, See you again soon. Yes, you never yeah. know where the conversation's going to go with this podcast. Yeah, kind of. Taking all bets. We explored the depths of RPGs like you've never seen before. But, yeah, let's see. Uh, I should probably check into Fireman's questions. Else One of his questions asking what the best Led Zeppelin album is. No. Nope. No. But which is it? Oh, some more I questions that are more about arcade games. <laughs> I actually cannot name the actual albums, but yeah. One, two, three. One, two, three, four. <laughs> okay, that's awfully easy, but no, still, I can't, couldn't tell you which songs are on which albums. I, I don't even yeah, listen don't really to Led Zeppelin. Uh, listen. Okay. Listen. I'm officially ending this D route. Uh, <laughs> Fireminer asked, 
Does anyone remember the type of game that gives you a covered picture and you control a moving cursor to draw lines and uncover parts of the picture while avoiding enemies from bumping into you? Oldest one I can find is Kicks. Yeah, that's the oldest one I know know of too. What's the name of the genre anyway? Huh? Then um, Quicks may have been the progenitor of the style. Yeah, I'm not convinced there's an older one than Kicks. But my the response that I would give is I don't know that this really has a genre. I like hidden picture maybe, but like that implies something else. Uh, Anime boobs is what this genre devolved into over a period of time. But I mean, just that's not really a genre. A puzzle video game. But yeah, like I, I don't know that this really has a genre meaningfully. It's just it play. It's one of those ones where you unre- un- reveal the picture and people will figure out what you're talking about. There's not really enough of them to worry about. Like people give genre names when they need shorthand to call something. People don't really need shorthand for kicks clones that much. Uh, we can call it quixotic. Uh. I'm sorry. The joke just wrote itself. <laughs> uh, that was a good dad joke. <sighs> Let's move on quickly. Thank you. Thank you. I do try. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of kicks, there's a clone arcade game of it called Dancing Ice. Please look it up. Anyone find it weird? People used to make clones of games like Kicks Breakout, etc. But Seth C and then put their is, clones. Is there a, like a card, entire card themed industry. one called Get Your Kicks on Route 66? Okay, no, Wheels, that one was just bad. That was really belabored, Wheels. Um, Listen, I've watched lots of cars and heard that song way too many times, okay? It's and you decided to in enforce brain. it upon others. Yes. Well, here, um, here, here's the fun bit. Is Do you, do you want to know how far I live from Route 66? Two miles? Uh, more than that, but it's about 25 minutes away. Oh, nice. Yeah. It goes right. It's Central Avenue of Albuquerque, New Mexico. How often do you get your kicks on Route 66? I don't know. I try to avoid it. That's a very bad part of town. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I'll take or that as never. It, part of it's a very bad part of town uh, between Louisiana and about the highway, which is funny because that's also part of the stretch of town that has our university and two of our hospitals. Huh. And provides mm. most of the business for the hospital. Well, one of the hospitals is the only trauma one center in our entire state, so... Jeez. Uh, so everything is, uh, gives work to that hospital. Mm. <sighs> and, and, and considering my job, I know very much about that. Uh... I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to thinking about horrible kicks clones. Um, <laughs> yeah, horrible kicks kicks clones is probably better. Yep. Speaking well, of I mean, kicks, it, oh god. But yeah, the, the answer to why were there were so many clones of all those puzzle games is because they were fast to make, cheap to make, fun to play, and you could keep selling them. And yeah. And the market, the had, or, and ex- market accessibility had not developed to the point where you could just download re- or develop and download really easy games for free. Yeah. To answer the other part of this question, which is like find, finding it weird that people used to make clones of games like that with like quote unquote like sexy versions. 
The answer is mostly just, like, for, for kicks, the reason is that it's really obvious that you put something behind what you're revealing. The original kicks, there's not really much to see. Uh, so that was, like, an obvious one. But the other thing is just, like, you want to sell someone your clone of something that already exists and they already like, you sell them, you add something that the original doesn't have. And, like, if you're creatively bankrupt, you just add, oh, man, guess what? Nude people. Yeah, uh, well, yep. I mean, let's devolve it even further. Sex sells. Indeed. Yep. Even if you're playing it in an arcade where everyone can see what the fuck you're doing. Yep. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was just one of those things like, yeah, there's a lot of those. There's some really, really questionable sexy Atari Kaboom songs as well. Don't think about those. Uh, well, you've just but, made me yeah. think about them. I am not going to help anyone look them up and destroy themselves, is all I'm saying. Uh, but yeah, uh, they, like this was just one of those things where it's also... The, these were also just instantly understandable concepts. If you had like a disparate collection of pictures you had the rights to and could sell, and you wanted some new avenue to sell them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in Japan, being Japan, there was never a shortage of people willing to draw sexy anime girls. Pretty much. Very occasionally they would get access to, uh, or, or they would, uh, ex the other thing about it is art bootlegging an arcade game and making like a knockoff or selling something you don't actually own is actually much safer in an arcade where you don't have to, where like you're individually selling only a cut, like probably only a couple hundred units. It's uh, it's much more possible to do that than to try to sell a uh, console game where you might actually have someone paying attention to what you're doing. <laughs> Which is also the same reason that there are so, so very many hack versions of Street Fighter 2 that got sold in the early 90s with, name, with no proper name, but... Go look up Street Fighter 2 Rainbow Edition, actually. Everyone go look up Street Fighter 2 Rainbow Edition. Oh, Rainbow, Edition. Rainbow Edition is beautiful. It does not have a proper name. It just has the Street Fighter 2 Championship Edition logo, except it is colored in rainbows, and... Hoo boy, that is a game. That is a lot of game. Uh, there's, there's not really words to describe what's going on in that. But in any case... Uh, Speaking of games that uh, sounds like it fits the above description, but does not, Sexy Proteus. Uh, Proteus was eternally a joke upon the player. If you bought exactly. Sexy Proteus expecting sexy, the joke worked. Yeah. I mean, uh, you're, you were buying something that was a parody of Parodius to begin with. Yeah, that was like already a Gradius parody that somehow... Oh, man. I do want to talk about how good all of the Parodius titles are, because they're all jokes on other Konami, uh, other Konami titles. Uh, there is, my, my, so, like, one of them is, uh, the, fir the first one is just, like, ridiculous on its own. It doesn't, it's not, as far as I can tell, a joke on, uh, any particular, uh, game. Uh, it's just Parodius Taco Saved the Earth. It's about an octopus saving the Earth, so Parodius Taco Saved the Earth. Mm -hmm. uh, there is uh, Gokujo Parodius, 
Kako no Eko o Motomete, which, uh, as far as I can tell, is best translated as Pursuing the Glory, the Past Glory, or Pursuing the Glory of the Past. Which was a joke about how by 1994, when that game came out, shooters were already going out of style. Jeez. Uh, At least they were self-aware. Yeah, no. Like, they, they knew their days were numbered. Uh... There is... There is... One of my favorites is... Uh, Parodius from Myth to Laughter. Which is a play on... I can't remember which Gradius. I think it might be Gradius 3. Uh, that's subtitle is uh, From Legend to Myth. So they made Parodius from Myth to Laughter. And then... Uh, the the uh, true ultimate Parodius title, the most like uh, the the most powerfully Parodius name imaginable, uh, Jikyo Oshaberu Parodius, uh, which is chatting Parodius live or chatting live Parodius, uh, and then they re-released it on PlayStation as Jikyo Oshaberu Parodius. Forever With Me, which is a play on the PlayStation re-release of Tokimeki Memorial, Forever With Me. I love Parodius. It's very, very silly. <laughs> and then the last Parodius game uh, in the proper series is even more of a prank upon the player because it is a strategy RPG. What the f <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Power Wars because it's a play on <laughs> Cosmic Wars, which was the Gradius strategy RPG. Huh. So they were like, "Well, we have to do this." So here's Power Wars. They made us do it, or they made it so we did it. Yeah. But yeah, uh, anyone who wants to play Parodius, I believe the PSP collection is still obtainable, and all of them are very good. They're very, they're very cute games. Play them. Wait, what? PlayStation Saturn game version of the game was also ported to PSP for the compilation title Parodius Portable. One notable change was the first stage's music. I remember that, which was an instrumental remix of "That's the Way." Parentheses. I like it by Casey. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Excuse me. That's the way I, uh, I like it. What? Uh, yeah, they had used an unlicensed remix, or perhaps a licensed remix. I've never checked. Actually, it's called. I remember that. I assume they licensed it because that would be a bit too much. But I assume that they did not want to pay for the license again. But yeah, GKO Shavari Parodius Forever with Me is its first. It's first uh, stages music is an instrumental version of a song you probably heard on the radio once and then never thought about again. That's the way. Uh huh. Uh huh. I like it. Uh huh. Uh huh. So yeah, that's fun. It's very hard to uh, describe how ridiculous Corotius is. But that's why it's uh, wonderful. Uh, I think you did a pretty good job, actually. Later. Uh, no, you're, but, you're yeah. just reminding me uh, in. In one of the many Metal Max reviews, I described the series as 
what would happen if the de developers of Fallout had a Red Bull and Vodka binge marathon of the Road Warrior and then crossed it with the stylings of Parodius. Mm. Actually, was, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, fair. That's about the, right. If you took the setting of Fallout and crossed it with Parodius, that's that would be Metal Max. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But man, that reminds yeah. me of like one of the like mechanical bosses of uh one of the mechanical bosses from like Gradius Two is a recurring boss in Parodius, but it's been turned like it's still like a bizarre. It, it still has the exact same jointing, and so this looks bizarre. But in Parodius, it is always like the exact same like sprite jointing, but on like a very deformed Vegas showgirl. <laughs> Parodius is weird. <laughs> yes. Uh, but yeah. Uh, sorry. Sometimes I have to think about Parodius. Um, okay. Uh, Speaking of uh, sexy, which other games have titillating uh, title names but are anything but sexy, such as BMX Triple X? BMX Triple X was trying, it just failed miserably. Uh, and I think that's any any other time that this would be the case, it's almost always uh, either a game made to troll the player, which means, you know, probably something very low budget that I've never heard of, or like released for free on like itch.io or something. Or, uh, or it is something that was trying to be a porn game and failed miserably. So, you're, you're hitting one of the weak spots of my arsenal, personally. Uh, anyone else got something here? Uh, uh, not off the top of my head. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a very specific thing. I really can't think of anything. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, if we think of something over the next week, we'll come back to this. Uh, while we're at it, which game franchise beside uh, Gradius, Gradius, Salamander, Parodius? In, in Japan, I believe Konami considers Salamander to be a separate series, which is why it got a collection separate from the Gradius collection on PSP. And Shin Megami Tensei and Dragon Slayer has the most confusing name scheme for its sequels and spin-offs. It would have to be Super Robot Wars. It's oh, like, yeah. Try, it's... Trying to put those in order without prior knowledge is impossible. One of my favorite activities is, in fact, to uh, list all of the original generation games and try to ask someone, what order do these go? Or, I mean, just um, like the uh, Endless Frontier games. Oh, those are great, too. Yeah. yeah Super I, like Robot the, Wars I like the OG generation. ones, though, because their numbering is a. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think he already named the main offenders for this kind of stuff. Yeah, like, the, those are definitely the ones that are infamous for just, like, doing whatever and expecting the audience to follow along. Yeah. Uh... But yeah, hit, they, he, he managed to hit most of the major Dragon Slayer spinoffs, most of the major SMT spinoffs. 
I need to think of some other ones that are like really obnoxious about what order they actually go in. Or yes. like but, have uh, really non-obvious spin-offs. This is the worst for just trying to figure out the chronological order of the series. Oh yeah, but those weren't even released in chronological. Every time they announce a new one, they also have to make an announcement of exactly which game it comes before and after. Yeah, I think Monster Knox was after all the previous ones, though. No. Is it still before 7? Um, I had to look up a timeline once there. Uh, 9? I know, I think 9 is nine is the latest. No, it's the latest in what's released, but it is not the latest in order. Uh, are you sure? Yes. I thought it was the latest in order. No. No? No. One sec, I'm pulling up the timeline right now. I know eight comes before seven. Yeah. And six and seven are back to back. Okay, so I, I do apologize. Nine is indeed the latest. Okay. Okay. That's what I thought. Uh, searching for the winged ones and five dragons of Altago happened the year before it. Uh, two year, uh, two years before that one is the Paraplus of the Go uh, God. I don't know how to pronounce any of these. The Gothia Sea. That sounds like six. Um, the Lost City of Sand happens. That's five. Uh, yeah. Happens uh, before Falgana. And then let's... I think yeah, I think three got punted pretty far into the future at some point. Relative to when it was released in terms of order. I feel like 5 could change when they finally remake that one, too. That, that really needs a remake at this stage. Yeah, it does. It is weird. Yeah. Spanish. Sorry, sometimes keeping track of what order the games happen. Yeah. Yeah. East is East is like a minor league version of this, like keeping track of what they're going. Yeah. Like they, most of the important ones have numbers, so it's not that bad. Most. Like the the number order is not the same as the chronological order. No. Although Lacrimosa of Dena is one. Hmm. One sec. Something's missing. E6 is searching for the winged ones. E7 is my dragon's Altago. Okay, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I am remembering it. Because there was a NPC who talks about being in Altago during Lacrimosa Dana. Mm-hmm. And and the conversation goes, oh, I hope to travel there at some time. Yeah. Yeah. Guess what, buddy? You're gonna shipwreck there just like you do every other place. Doesn't shipwreck a nine? He does not. Yeah, shipwreck that's a weird. Nine. They make jokes about that though. Because you have to, because that was eight games in, and that was the first time he had shipwrecked somewhere. Uh, he doesn't shipwreck in four. Yeah, but 4 was a weird situation. 
He was technically. And, and he also doesn't lose his memory. Does he shipwreck okay. in Felgana? I thought he like lands peacefully. It probably depends upon which version of E3 you're looking yeah, that's at. True. Yeah, but nine, he doesn't lose his memory, and he doesn't shipwreck. Yeah. Well, also, living the dream. Um, well, living the dream of not I being repeatedly concussed. I can't say <laughs> any more about nine because spoilers. Yeah, yeah I still need to play but that. Has, that has a really weird and cool twist to it. It it, it was an awesome game. Yeah. Now, I, I have not played it all the way through myself, but I watched uh, Pause play through a good chunk of the game, and it, I, I can't wait to play it myself. Yeah, no, I, I, I watched Pause play most of it, and then I went and bought and played, played it all myself. Nice. Uh, continuing on with the uh, arcade and clone developers, on the topic Clones, arcade developers truly went around and copied their competitors. Sega or Capcom in particular had a hit, you can be sure Konami, Namco, SNK, Data East, etc. Make extremely similar games. I think the state of things was created because Japanese developers were much more lax with copyrights in the 90s. I mean, Capcom absolutely did ideas. sue over one of those. Technically, you can't copyright ideas, so if as long as it doesn't look too blatant, they can't really do much about it. Yeah, like... Okay. You were saying? Oh, I was just gonna say, like, Capcom did sue over one of these, but you can tell that they were very choosy about what they were willing to try suing over. Because uh, it was it was Fighter's History, which I believe was like Data East? Yeah, Data East. Uh, they, they sued over, like, theft of... Like, it's one of those things that's like, uh, it was about like the look and feel of Street Fighter more so. Uh, See, why, why couldn't they just take the SNK and Capcom route of just mocking each other with, you know, characters in their games? Uh, because SNK's games were considered distinctive, where Spider's history is really negative. Um... The, the other, the broader point, of course, being that, like, uh, Capcom was more lenient with SNK in part because the people making fighting games at SNK were generally, a lot of them were former Capcom games. Especially, uh, there's a reason, part of the reason that they mocked uh, Art of Fighting but not Fatal Fury was Art of Fighting was more just like SNK making a Street Fighter 1 sort of game, whereas Fatal Fury was made by the Street Fighter 1 director. So they were more comfortable not mocking Art of Fighting than they, uh, Fatal Fury. But, yeah, uh, the, uh, But yeah, basically, like the the one time that this was, there there are a few times that like knocking off a game has been brought. Uh, the there's the Fighters History lawsuit which Capcom lost. Uh, it was uh, basically on the grounds that the uh, elements that were most blatantly copied were relatively few, and that you couldn't really copyright the 
gameplay style of a fighting game. Uh, but uh, the much more disastrous lawsuit that took place in the in North America uh, back in the 80s, but thankfully I don't think has uh, uh, has many implications nowadays, uh, just by virtue of the fact that yeah, no, no one really pursues lawsuits like this. It just isn't worth it. It wouldn't work. But basically, uh, the much more forgotten lawsuit of Harry versus Phillips over Pac-Man versus KC Munchkin. Uh, That's a name. Yeah, KC Munchkin was like a Pac-Man knockoff for the Odyssey 2, a system you've never played. Uh... The Odyssey, the Casey Munchkin as Pac-Man clones go, like it's very clearly in the same, we would describe it now as being in the same genre. But it is a distinct game. Uh, most notably, like, there are only 12 pills in the maze in Casey Munchkin, and they move. Uh, like, the, like, you are having, like, that is already, like, more distinct from Pac-Man than most Pac-Man knockoffs. The, I have no idea what the thought process was behind, like, this is the game we're going to pursue. But, uh, they, they ultimately won that fight. Uh, yeah, they, they ultimately managed to win that case, and, uh, Casey Munchkin was actually taken off the market on the basis that it was infringing on, uh, Atari's sub-licensed copyrighted patent. But, uh, also had a terrible name. I mean, yes, Casey Munchkin is an extremely bad name. It's an extremely <laughs> '80s video game name, and if you don't think that, I need I invite you to go look up games with names like Chromebog Bog all night. <laughs> but yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like it's good that that seems to have like fall. Like I don't think that that would ever be brought up in case law, essentially ever again because that would essentially make a lot of genres basically impossible. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um... And it would bring back the idea of trying to, uh, like, filmmakers suing each other for doing similar shots for a yeah. strategy. Uh -huh. Which was bad business to begin with. Hmm. But yeah, like the the reason that this was something that happened is like this is by by the nineties this was not something that was happening that often. But I mean it's it's you know it's friend chasing like every, like there's a reason that uh, even Square has a battle royale game just to take an example. Like companies see something successful and they try to bottle that lightning gun and it almost never works. But if it does work, it's worth a lot of money. Mm hmm. Uh, you could see a lot of that rivalry even in franchises that are considered classics now. I don't think that Castlevania would exist if Ghosts and Goblins hadn't been hit. But, uh, you know, it's that, like, that kind of trend chasing never went away. The blatant clonery of the, uh, in the arcade market is honestly much more something that you saw in the late 70s and early 80s. Like those, then you would see games that are just this is the exact same game. If you if you change the marquee art on this, 
you would not be able to... You would trick the casual observer without even talking. Uh, but you saw that a lot with games like uh, Space Invaders. There's a million and one knockoffs of that that are essentially exactly the same. So that was a huge game. Absolutely gigantic. Um, but, yeah, like... Uh, you know, I, I think in general they're... Uh, eventually became an understanding that, like, if you make something that's a hit, you're going to get com uh, competitors, and there's not really a legal remedy to that, because it's just, it's not going to work. <laughs> you can't copyright ideas, specifically. Yeah, you're really not supposed to, yeah, if you, if you try to do that, you're going to become a vexatious decision, and the courts are really not going to have much nice to say that to you. No. Uh, what was the deal with Japanese uh, devs and quiz games? This is the arcade quiz game. The only places I could think these machines would make sense are some of the other things. I mean, you could just... People just relaxed in arcades, and that meant, like, you could... What's that? I was gonna say, 90s? I was seeing those in game centers up through 2012, before they started closing the game centers. Like, yeah, they, like, the, the thing about it is that, like... Around. Yeah, like, it's one of those things, like, quiz games are a genre... That, like, someone's chilling at the arcade for one reason or another. They've got, like... You can lure someone into that who's never going to play your action. Like, these are relatively simple to make. Uh, they hit an audience that isn't served by many other things in, that exist in arcades. But they still make sense as arcade games. So, you know. And, of course, and... none of these ever got translated, like, just because they essentially just have to rework all of the questions. but Yeah, and yeah. I think part of where he's coming from is that the only place you would find that kind of arcade game in America was usually at a bar. Yeah. So that may also be where he's coming from on this. He, he's never actually seen anyone try to play a game like this outside of that setting. Yeah. Well, I mean, there was all. I mean, computers have had things like that for years, though. Uh, not counting oh, arcade stuff, like you know. Yeah. I mean, um, in a public place with people. Yeah, you wouldn't. Like that. You wouldn't see a lot of like, uh, like the, this genre never really took off as an arcade staple in the West. But. Yeah. Well, arcades never had the greatest of. Uh, clientele when it came to the variety of the people there yeah i mean in like the, in the west in the west yeah i mean i mean like it's also like arcades in the west tended to uh be a bit more strict about what you were doing in them i guess is how i would put it like they generally wanted you in and out uh in spend quarters leave uh, where every every story I've ever heard about Japanese game centers was that they were a little more uh, a little more open, I suppose. Socially a little more like focused. say what? Socially focused. Yeah, like you 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 had a bit more of like a social scene, so they they would not like if someone was just sort of hanging out with other people and it's like, well, I don't really play, like, shooters or fighting games or whatever, and just sit around and play the quiz game. So you have more of a niche for them, whereas in in the West, it's like, this is a game that, like, like 
Western arcade operators probably wouldn't even particularly want quit games on the basis of a player with a good grasp trivia is going to be on that machine. Like, you, you, like, there's a lot of arcade game development that's about how to cycle players uh, on and off the machine in such a way that they will want to play it again. And, Fun game. Yeah, basically. So, like, I, I remember there's, uh, there's some interesting, uh, on Shmuplation, some interesting translated interviews with developers at, like, IREM, that's one of the R-type interviews, where they're talking about, like, yeah, there's a huge difficulty spike in, uh, stage four, because by that point, uh, the player has played enough that they feel some degree of satisfaction, but they haven't been playing so long that it's going to piss off the operators that they've been sitting in the cabinet for two weeks. So, like, they were very carefully thinking about, well, where do we spike the difficulty so the player has to put more money in? Uh, but, yeah, like, it, it's harder to, like, it... Yeah, you'd, you'd have to... Yeah, if, if you're super focused on getting people in and out of the... in and off the cab, uh then quiz games can be, uh, are, are not going to be your primary focus. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they, they just have more of an ecosystem to play off of. Yeah. Uh, that same question, but with horse racing. How big is horse racing <laughs> really in Japan? Again, Sport of Kings, and it's one of the few last holdouts for the game centers, mm. well, at least for the more adult-oriented ones. So, um, it's big enough. Big enough to be supported. Uh, uh, let's see. Um, sorry, just got a message that I have to respond to. Um, speaking of which, anyone here like the variations of consoles that were made into pseudo-arcade machines? I'm not talking about things like the STV, where like they were taking a console and making it into an arcade board. But I have in mind stuff like the multi-deck coin-operated SNES and Super Nintendo, Nintendo Gateway System, Sega Mega Jet, fall into this category too. Yeah, I mean like the PlayChoice 10 or the Versus System, Versus System are both uh, very odd little creations that could only have existed at a time when you would have children who would go to an arcade but who could not necessarily have a game console. But... I do remember a family vacation en route to Mount Rushmore, and we stopped at a McDonald's in Kansas, and there was a machine that played Super Mario World. Interesting. Yeah, I don't remember what they're called when they're Super Nintendo, but for the NES, it was the PlayChoice 10 system. Uh, the Versus system. One of the fascinating things I love about the Versus system is that they, they ported, like, like, they were just, you know, NES games. But some of them were uh, reveal aspects of how the games were designed. My personal favorite of which is the Versus system Super Mario Brothers uh, removes the infinite live turtle track. Really? Like, they, they knew that was in there, but it was going to be a problem on the arcade, so they specifically took pains to remove it. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, that, that version of Super Mario Brothers versus Super Mario Brothers is actually fascinating because... Uh, once you get into, like, World 7, it starts mixing in lost levels, like J Japan Super Mario Brothers 2 levels. Oh. 
Just <laughs> just because it's like, oh, well, you're getting near the end of the game, so it needs to get unreasonably difficult. Uh, but yeah, uh, I forget what the uh, Super Nintendo equivalent of the Play Choice 10 is. Uh, uh, yeah, there's the the other thing about the Play Choice 10 that's kind of interesting is that there are some games that appeared in the Play Choice 10, but which were not released as cartridge NES games. Uh, uh, but I'm thinking of like specifically Konami's Goonies game uh, only appeared as a Play Choice 10. Could not buy that on a cartridge in the US. Uh, perhaps the, the silliest uh, Play Choice 10 object might be Pinbot, uh, which was an NES port of a, a, an NES like attempted recreation of an actual pinball game called Pinbot that was then put in Play Choice 10. So you're at an arcade that could feasibly have a pinbot arcade machine, uh, a pinbot pinball machine, but also it has a play choice ten with pinbot in it. <laughs> it is an extremely silly concept, but not impossible, and thus beautiful. <laughs> I am imagining the poor child who like uh, put money into a play choice ten to play Ninja Gaiden and only afterwards realized how fucked they were. Oof. Oh, they, uh, uh, they nerfed that one? Or... No, oh, yeah, I mean... Press uh, Knuckle yo-yoed it? <laughs> it, was not, it wasn't any harder, but it was still Ninja Guy. <laughs> uh, see also Fester's Quest. The, uh, the poor children. Somebody think of the children and design a game that can be played properly. It is extremely funny how many of these Play Choice 10 games are ports of arcade games. Or, like, at least supposed to be based on arcade games. Like, it's like, mm -hmm. well, I could play arcade Rygar, or I could play the NES version of Rygar in an arcade. <laughs> and you'd still be better off playing the NES version of because the NES version of Rygar is much better than the arcade game. Yeah, th those are fun. Uh, if you want something that's similarly extremely ludicrous to think about in retrospect, uh, there's those like N64s that were uh, hooked into like some sort of internal system at hotels. Uh, if anyone has ever seen those, oh, that's that's what he was talking about—the gateway system. I forgot that was what that was actually called. But yeah, the the gateway. It's <laughs> this weird thing. Like if you've never seen one of these, like uh, Super Nintendo or N sixty four controllers that have buttons on them to like interact with like uh, this weird. Oh, let me just put this in jabs. Whatever. Yeah, they're they're branded with like a Lodge Nat in the U S. At the very least. Mm -hmm. Everyone go look at uh, this ridiculous artifact. Yeah, you have play. You can access and pay to play Nintendo 64 games on like a 
hotel TV by uh, hitting the menu button on this and doing it all through an entity port. I've seen it at some point. Yeah, they're extremely strange, though. Um, it does remind me of how much I really love uh, third-party manufactured versions of home consoles, which have long since gone the way of the Dodo, but uh, Sega had a bunch of them. Mm -hmm. And that's why you had Gant. And that's why you had things like the JVC XI. Is that the Wonder Mega in Japan? That might have been the Wonder Mega. Uh, I would not know. Yeah, it was it was manufactured as you would expect based on what I just said by the Japan Victor Company. Uh, and it was a Genesis mixed with Sega CD. There was also the Sega CDX, which it was the same thing, but with a CD player form factor. Uh, that was called the Multi-Mega in Japan. Uh, those things broke constantly. I can't imagine using one as a CD player for a few months without destroying it. Uh, there was the uh, Terra Drive, which was an I a 286 IBM PC mixed with a Sega Genesis. Uh, I don't know what audience that was for. That was taking two things that were not popular in Japan and mixing them together. Uh, it only came out in Japan, but if you if you really wanted that, you could have that. Um, there are two different third-party variations of the Sega Saturn, the, Hi the Hitachi High Saturn, and the Victor V Saturn. Uh, remember the Panasonic GameCube? No. no. There was called the Panasonic Q, and it was a GameCube with an actual, like, full-size DVD player in it. Uh, it's it's a very large, strange object. It's all chrome-looking, but its strangest feature is the controller that comes with it, which is just fully Panasonic-branded with nothing else. Uh, and, uh, with, with, like, no Nintendo branding. It's extremely strange to look at that. Uh, yeah. I've always wondered what this display on it is actually supposed to be used for. Also, this poor one that they're using for uh, pictures on Wikipedia looks like it use a dusting. Uh, yeah. That was, that was a weird object to exist. Uh, I think those are extremely expensive now. Let's see what this uh, eBay listing says. $800! Jesus. <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, one for a mere $500. Let me guess, this one doesn't work. Partially working. Fine, partially. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. There's a lot going on in there. Fuck off. Yeah. $400 junk for repair parts. Check power. So yeah, like... 
if you if you just want to own a Panasonic Q just as a display piece, you're still looking at four hundred dollars. Yikes! Jeez. Yeah. Not recommended. New team. Have a get through the last one's questions. Same question, but with all console variations, but also double seeing players and karaoke machines. For example, the Genesis is laser active and CSD G1M. Yeah, yeah. Those are those are there. There's the PSX, PS2 that's also a DDR player. Uh, uh was there ever a CD player variant of the Turbo Graphics? It feels like that should have happened. Not seeing any, although there is the one that has a laptop form factor for some reason. Uh, I think that, for whatever reason, only ever played the cards rather than the CDs. LT does not require a television display and does not have any built-in speakers. You could attach the CD-ROM to it, but no. Uh, Yeah, there was no CD form factor. Um, hey, Gaijin, have you ever seen the really rare and collectible consoles in Japanese stores, such as the Wonder Mega and Panasonic? I saw a few things in a couple of old stores before they closed. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, some of these closed for like business reasons. A couple of them just closed because of earthquake. Um, but. Um, but yeah, I've seen Mega Drives and Wonder Swans, which are fairly normal, but it's kind of rare to see any of the older stuff outside of maybe a really hard-to-find um, specialty store in Akihabara, because mm -hmm. there aren't that many of them left. Yeah, and those stores probably, honestly, would rather not part with them, so like, they probably are priced even more exorbitantly. Yeah. It's like, when you have something that's that rare, at some point it just becomes like, well, we do intend to maybe sell this one day, but it needs to be worth our while because it's a good display piece. Mm -hmm. But yeah, um, yeah, you, you'd be the only one with experience on that one. I hope one day to visit Japan and just sort of wander around Akihabara or Denden Town. But we'll see. We'll see. Hmm. Yeah, I think that is probably enough for tonight. Yeah, seems, seems like a good idea. So. Uh, Gaijin, author's birthday sale? Um, yeah, it's got about... Oh, let's see, what what time is it now? Okay, 1 a.m. in Central. Yeah, it is the 13th for most of them. Yeah. So, um, I think it may have 12 hours left. Okay, because... well, if you're watching this on stream... Yeah. Now's but your yeah, so, yeah, Just because setting the things up, it defaults to Pacific time. And uh, mm -hmm. quite obviously, I'm not living on Pacific time, so I'm having to guess exactly when it's supposed to be in, starting and ending. But it's really mm -hmm. soon, so if you haven't grabbed 
any uh, even just the free copies through the through these ebooks are free. Mm -hmm. um, so and the rest all together cost about maybe ten bucks total. Yeah. So um, it is the perfect time to check out Princesses of the Pizza Parlor uh, by Michael Yadimizu. Um, it's pretty much all about just playing role-playing games of the tabletop variety at the people's leisure. Um, if you enjoy vicarious living through other people's bad dice rolls, go ahead. And, uh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> and let me know what you think. So, yep. I always leave some nice reviews. Yep. I mean, though, I mean, at this point, um, yeah, I didn't get any sales yesterday on this, so, um, that's right. So far, the only paying customer I've had is one person I know on a different forum who was thinking about getting, or who had the first three and was thinking about getting the others anyway, and so he just bought them all. Mm. And other than that, um, I've got, like, nine, nine, uh, um, nine free ebooks, and the rest are just this one guy buying eight of them. Mm. So, so, uh, yeah, pretty much normal for one of these sales, unfortunately. Uh, uh, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. What else? Uh, you can watch me on uh, twitch.tv slash well, I can't talk tonight uh, slash askwheels where I'll um, usually stream shooty stuff and whatnot. Um, and on the RP Gamer channel on Wednesdays and on Sundays where we do random shenanigans and then switch over to my channel to play fighting games usually mm. or platformers that are basically fighting games someone's gonna fight someone yeah and uh, probably be streaming a lot of Monster Hunter going forward I'm going to be grinding in um, Monster to Rise on PC and eventually some more on Switch to have both versions ready for the expansion this summer. So, and that's about it. <clears throat> Tim, what you got? A headache? I mean, that's nice. usual. No, I, I, I don't have anything um, ex uh, except uh, you can also catch me streaming at on uh, twitch.tv slash rpgamer as well. Uh, generally speaking, I stream Tuesday and Thursdays in the morning as well as Friday on the overnight. Unfortunately, uh, kids have been off school for the last few weeks and had other things going on, so I haven't. the Tuesday and Thursday streams have been a little um, lacking. Um, I was thinking they'd be back tomorrow, but um, now that my son has had his dental surgery and seems to be well, I can actually finally do grocery shopping. That's good. Shopping. Yeah, we had we held off on grocery shopping just so he didn't try and sneak food. Yeah, that'll do it. Because he he is a very sneaky kiddo. Yeah. They're always they're always stealthy like that. Yeah, as for me, go got the Patreon. Uh, 
managed to miss, uh, like, I've, I've built up, like, a backlog of essays that need to go up, but they've just been... Gotta sit down, uh, and, you know, do the actual voiceovers, so that'll be... Shortly, that's at patreon.com slash study. All that shit is still free, but I still appreciate anyone contributing. Uh, otherwise, uh, you can ask us questions. You can ask them in the Twitch chat on RPGamer or Ask Wheels. Uh, usually we start around midnight on uh, the East Coast, Wednesday to Thursday. Uh... You can also ask us questions in the Discord, as good friend Fireminer did. That can be, uh, you can join the Discord by going into the community tab of RP Gamer. You'll get access to the Discord. There's a lot of nice people there, straight from the little community. Uh, you can also ask questions via the comments section, like good friend Strawberry X did. Uh, we usually check the last few episodes, so as long as the episode came out within the past month, we'll probably find it. Uh, yeah, any uh, any questions are always appreciated. Thanks once again to Fireminer Strawberry H for giving us discussion fodder. Uh, but otherwise, see ya, Space Cowboys. See ya.